Amen. Are you ready for the word? So we are doing a sermon series called What's So Great About It? What's so great about it? And this is part number two. What's so great about it? Christianity is a movement that's reaching around the world. It is a movement that has impacted generations for 2,000 years. Christianity is a movement that has contributed to the successes of society. Christianity is a cross-cultural and diverse movement that has touched every part of humanity. The influence of this movement is undeniable, where it has reached every continent of the world. There are more people in this movement than any other movement in the world. Christianity has come a long way since 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, there was a handful of disciples huddled in an upper room in Jerusalem. Since that day in Jerusalem, since that day of 120 disciples who was huddled in the upper room, since that very day, there is 2.3 billion followers. I'm encouraged by that number. I am not saying that every person in the 2.3 billion are devout followers, but I am encouraged because Jesus is going to come back for more than what he left. He's going to come back for more than he left. To most people, Christianity is seen as a radical and revolutionary movement. Never underestimate the significance of this movement. Never underestimate the significance of this movement. Do you know that Christianity is responsible for many of the values and the institutions that secular people cherish so often? I want you to stop and think about the greatness of Christianity. And I want you to stop and think about what Christianity has contributed to society and humanity. In the early days of Christianity, there was monks who would copy the manuscripts so that people could be preserved in their instruction of learning. The scriptures, the ancient scriptures, were, was preserved by men who diligently copied every, every letter to be very precise. Christianity is responsible for many of the organized institutions and values that we hold so dearly. Christianity has contributed to our economics, to our policies, to our arts, to our calendar, to our holidays, to our moral and cultural priorities. Throughout Western Christianity in the last 2,000 years, our art, our literature, our music, architect has been influenced by Christianity. In Western Christianity in particular, the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo's painting, 
is just a few things that was influenced by the greatness of Christianity. Western literature, Dante, Shakespeare, music, Mozart. If you hadn't had a chance to go to Europe and walk through one of the Gothic cathedrals, you would be very impressed by the architect of those buildings, of what those people did, what those architects did with stone and glass. When you walk into those cathedrals, it's breathtaking. A steeple reaching high to the heavens. Those men and women in previous years built those buildings without modern technology. And they did it for the glory of God. Steeples who reached high in the heavens to declare that there is only but one God. Walking down the aisle of those cathedrals, you will see ancient pictures that were painted by people of previous generations. You will see stained glass windows that tell the stories of the Bible. Many people were illiterate. They could not read the Bible. So the church itself was a living testimony of the Scriptures. When you walked into those ancient churches, it was a living testimony of the Scriptures. It was designed for people who couldn't read or understand the Scriptures. You could go to church and look at the stories in the stained glass windows and look at the paintings of the stories of the Bible and of the Gospel. Those people contributed to Western Christianity in a way that modern Christianity has failed to do. Look at our modern churches today. Our modern churches today is not necessarily a testimony to the gospel. It's very relevant, isn't it? Some churches strip everything out of the churches that deal with Christianity. If you walked into a modern church nowadays, you might not see a crucifix, a painting, a scripture. It's totally blasé. You see, Western Christianity was developed, it was fought for, it was prayed over, because people believed that the story of the Gospels should be read, should be understood, and should be seen. There's greatness in the history of Christianity. You know, most of our holidays are Christian in nature. We may have borrowed some of them from pagan things, but in nature, we've transformed them into Christian holidays. Christmas, for instance, is the word Christ, Mass, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S, Mass, Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving of Christ. History tells us that over half of the world's population observes Christmas, which means more people observe Christmas than there are followers of Jesus. You see, Christianity has made an impact even into the calendar, to the holidays, Easter, is celebrated by Christians and non-Christians. What about St. Patrick's Day? It is a secular holiday that people go and drink and get drunk, but yet in its nature, it is Christian. St. Patrick's Day. St. Valentine's Day. And I would even push the envelope and say that Halloween was actually a Christian holiday. November the 1st is considered all Hallows or All Saints Day, so the eve of it is All Hallows Eve. It was really a Christian holiday, All Hallows Eve. You see, our whole calendar is really, it's influenced by the greatness of Christianity. You can't get around it. 
whether you're a believer or a non-believer or a philosophical, intellectual, humanistic thinker, you can't get around the influence of Christianity in our society, in our architect, in our art, in our music, and in our literature. It has all has had a profound impact on the way that we think and the way that we even do business. What about hospitals and orphanages? It's, it's, un, it's very common for you to drive down the road in the car and see a hospital named after a saint. Years ago, Joplin had a hospital called St. John's. You see, the world is influenced by Christianity and the greatness of Christianity. It's nothing for you to ride down the road here in modern-day America and see a church on every street corner. It's nothing for you to ride down the road in range line and see a billboard that says, Jesus saves. I was driving down the interstate the other day, and I saw multiple billboards in America that says, if you need prayer, call this number. I saw another one that says, God is alive. Here in America, you cannot, cannot dismiss how Christianity has made a great impact in our world, in our history, and even in modern-day history. Orphanages and hospitals are named after saints. It's named after apostles. Our churches are named after saints and apostles. J.M. Roberts wrote a book called The Triumph in the West, and he said this, and I quote in his book, we could none of us today be where we are if a handful of Jews nearly 2,000 years ago had not believed that they had known a great teacher, seen him crucified, dead and buried, and then rise again. He said in his book that we would not be where we are if those 12 disciples did not believe that Jesus was alive, that he died, he was buried, and then on the third day he was resurrected again. Those 12 disciples took the message because they were empowered by the gospel and they took the message to every continent of the world because they believed that the message was true. They were empowered to believe that it was true. Those 12 disciples did not give their life for a lie. They didn't give their life for a lie. Some of them were crucified upside down. Some of those disciples were pull, pulled apart by wild horses. Some of them were thrown off of buildings, and some of them were even stoned. All of those disciples were convinced that what they saw and what they heard is really true, and that Jesus was not just a man, but that Jesus was more than a man, that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. And those disciples went throughout the world and they turned the world upside down because they believed wholeheartedly the gospel. And today, you and I, my friends, are influenced by those 12 disciples. You see, Christianity is certainly great. And the reason that I believe that Christianity is great is because Jesus is great. And without Jesus, the church would not exist and Christianity would not be a powerful, militant movement that has touched every continent. Jesus is the driving force behind Christianity. And we cannot reduce Christianity to creeds. We cannot reduce Christianity to legalism. 
We cannot reduce Christianity to liturgical worship. We've got to return to Jesus, who is the founder of Christianity. Can I hear an amen? Jesus is the founder of Christianity. Let me say this, and let me say it loud and clear, that whatever we do in this church is to exalt Jesus and build his church. Come on, somebody. It's to exalt Jesus and build his church. Not your preferences, not your opinions. We are here to love Jesus. We are here to build his church, and we are here to make Jesus famous. I don't know about you, but I want to make Jesus famous. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, Pastor, I'm with you. I want to make Jesus famous. And the reason that Christianity is great is because Jesus is great. Now, although Christianity has contributed to the successes of society, and Christianity has produced a lot of contribution to our society, it's produced a lot of contribution to religion, it's produced a lot of contribution to art and architect and music and literature. It's done a lot of great things. But since Jesus is the founder, not everybody's excited about Jesus. And Jesus hasn't always been popular. We have had our enemies throughout the years. The Bible has been tried, to, the Bible has been burned. People have been burned at the stake. People have been tried to be silenced because of the message. But all throughout the years, Christianity has grew under persecution. Even when the naysayers thought that Christianity was over and done away with, even when Rome in itself tried to snuff out Christianity and they called Christians cannibalists and they called Christians, uh, uh, you know, they called us the devil actually and they would... Uh, they would throw us to the lion's den and they would pull us apart by wild animals and throw us to the Colosseums. And they were convinced that they could snuff out Christianity and wipe it out. Nero burned down the city of Rome and blamed it on the Christians. They were convinced that they could do away with this little cult, these little people that believed in this Jewish man from Palestine. What they failed to understand is that you can't get rid of truth. You try to bury truth and it'll get up and follow you. Come on, somebody. You can't get rid of truth. And so when they tried to wipe it out, it grew more and more and more and more and more. Even when under severe persecution, it grew more. It kind of reminds me of the book of Exodus when Pharaoh tried to do away with the, the children of Israel. He tried to stop it, you know. He wanted them to do away with all the male babies. But what happened? The midwives kept having so many children, they couldn't even keep up with the midwives because anytime God's people are under pressure, anytime God's people are under persecution, the Holy Spirit will multiply the church in a greater way than it's ever been multiplied because the church is not founded upon creeds. It's not founded upon a man. It's founded upon a Savior, and His name is Jesus, and He is the empowerment behind the force. He is the empowerment behind Christianity. And ladies and gentlemen, you can't do away with it. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ha! That means people. People have tried to leave the church. And they'll say, I'll never come back to that church. I'll never tithe to that church. They'll leave it. People have slandered the church. 
People have ridiculed the church. People have talked about the church. They have labeled us as hypocrites. They have labeled us as bystanders. They have labeled us as unintellectual, illiterate. They have labeled us as religious fanatics. But in spite of all of what they say against us, we are still here after 2,000 years. And we are growing at a very fast rate. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I, can I have about 50 people say, Pastor, I'm glad to be in this movement because I know this movement is winning. And I'm on the, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. You see, Christianity is not, is not slandered because we feed the poor. Christianity is not slandered because we build hospitals. Christianity is not slandered because we build orphanages. People love that. Christianity is slandered when we preach the message of Jesus. When you do the works of Jesus, you're accepted. But when you preach his message, you're rejected. I'm going to say that again. When we do the works of Jesus, we are accepted in society. Nobody's going to argue with you if you feed the poor. Nobody is going to argue with you if you participate in social justice. Nobody is going to argue with you if you build a hospital and take care of the sick and build orphanages. They're not going, they're not going to argue with that because that's helping humanity. The problem is, is when you start to proclaim the message of Jesus in conjunction to the works of Jesus, that is when there is a problem. Can I hear an amen? And there's a lot of churches in progressive Christianity. Listen to pastor. Progressive Christianity is, is the enemy of the church today. Progressive Christianity states that there is no, uh, you know, we should just love, right? You know, there is no, um, you know, the definition of marriage is changed. The definition of our identity is changed. Progressive Christianity and, and, and what happens in progressive Christianity is that they are big on social justice. They are big about feeding the poor. Go down the street and you will see churches who ordain homosexuals who will feed the poor and love them and cry with them. And they will do great things in the community. That is not the issue, my friends. The issue is, is when you start to proclaim the message of Jesus. The works of Jesus are accepted. Even Jesus said that. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse number 31. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you know, these people, these Jews, the Bible says, took stones again to stone him. Now, why did they want to stone him? We'll look at verse 32. The Bible says in verse number 32, Jesus answered and said, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Works? Jesus said, I'm doing a lot of works. Are you stoning me for that? And the Jews answered and said, for a good work, we do not stone you. But you're blaspheming. You're saying you're God. That's why we're going to stone you. My friends, the world is not going to stone us for our good works. The world is not going to slander us for being nice. The world is not going to slander us for having a Christmas outreach and giving free toys to them. 
The world is not going to be slanderous of us or reject us for having an Easter egg outreach or feeding the poor on a Thursday night or paying for someone's gas or buying somebody's dinner. That does not cause issues for the most part. What causes the issue is not the works of Jesus. It's the message of Jesus. That's where the issue is. You know, Jesus is pretty popular in some sects. And Jesus is only popular if Jesus agrees with you. Jesus is popular if Jesus agrees with you. You know, I don't watch this show. I'm sure some of you have. But you know, have you ever watched Dog the Bounty Hunter years ago? You know, he's a fairly large guy with a, a, a blonde mullet, you know. He said something. The dog, the bounty hunter, said this on his show, and I'm going to quote to you what he said on his show. He said, Jesus, let us capture the fugitive that's jump bond. Let us beat him up. Let us mace him. Let us cuff him. Let us taunt him. Let us smoke a cigarette with him. And then we will tell him you love him. Oh, Jesus is awesome as long as Jesus agrees with you. Is there anybody up in this Pentecostal church that can wave your hand and say, I know you're right. Jesus is popular if Jesus agrees with you. Years ago, Brad Pitt made a, made a shirt that said, my homeboy, Jesus. Jesus is popular in Hollywood. You know why Jesus is popular in Hollywood? Because Jesus loves the poor. Jesus loves the down and out. Jesus loves those who have nothing, and people are drawn to that message. Jesus is our homeboy, because Jesus has the same values as I have. I value feeding the poor. I value making hospital visits. I value the unfortunate. I value those who have nothing. That's not the issue. issue is the message that Jesus proclaimed. They don't, they're not going to stone you for your good works, Jesus said. They picked up stones to stone him because of Jesus' message he claimed to be God. Hmm. You know, Jesus is popular, isn't he? He's popular in our movies. There's over 100 movies that's made just about Jesus. There's a new movie out or a new series called The Chosen. Many of you are posting it on Facebook. It's a brilliant movie that depicts the life of Jesus. Everybody loves the Jesus that laughs. Everybody loves the Jesus Hangs out with his homeboys. We all love that Jesus. If Jesus agrees with us, we love Jesus. Well, what about what about uh, what about this atheist? Let me quote what this atheist said one time. It was the great philosopher. He said, "You know, he said Jesus died too soon. In fact, he died way too soon. If if he had lived to my age, he would have repudiated his doctrine." Too bad Jesus died young. Had he lived a little while longer, 
he would have been a good atheist just like me. Fidel Castro. What about the communist dictator Fidel Castro? He said this and I quote, I have never seen a contradiction between the ideas that sustain me and the ideas of this figure, Jesus Christ. Jesus and me, we believe the same thing. He was a good communist. What about Adolf Hitler? He said in his journal, and I quote, I read how terrific was Jesus' fight for the world against the Jewish poison. I love Jesus. He was a good Nazi. You see, Jesus is popular if Jesus agrees with you. My friends, if Jesus always agrees with you, you might be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Jesus will not always agree with you. Jesus is very popular. We, we live in a society that will mold and make Jesus into what they want Jesus to be. We live in a postmodern society that tells us that all roads leads to God. And if you do well, you will enter heaven. And if you do good, you will enter heaven. But the Bible does not teach that. Being a good person doesn't make you go to heaven. I'm going to say that again. Being a good person doesn't mean you go to heaven. You can be good all your life and still go to hell. The Bible says you must repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's what the gospel says. You will be saved. The problem with the philosophy is I'm a good person. I'm going to make it to heaven. The Bible says there's nobody good. All have sinned. Nobody's good. You cannot be your own authority for your own goodness. Or if I believe sincerely, I'll make it. Well, you can sincerely eat rat poison and die too. Or God understands. Don't you, this is the famous words, don't judge me. Only God will judge me. Let me break it down for you. I want you to judge me because I don't want to be judged by God on judgment day. Because if God judges, it might not be a pretty thing. You see how illiterate we have become of the Scriptures? We live in a, a postmodern society that makes Jesus the way we want to make Jesus. I mean, there's a plethora of religions and there's a plethora of cults, which we call Christian cults. To the Jehovah Witness, Jesus is created. Jesus is not God. He is equal. He is, he is an archangel. Excuse me, Michael. Mormons believe that Jesus is not the eternal God. He is the half-brother of Lucifer. Christian scientists believe this. Mary Baker Eddy quoted in her book, and I quote, Jesus Christ is not God. The Jews believe that Jesus is not the Messiah and God cannot become a man. They reject Jesus as the Messiah. Islam believes that Jesus is a prophet who came to show the way to Allah, but Muhammad will supersede him. Jesus is not God, for in their holy book it quotes this, God is not begot, neither does he beget. Humanism 
or excuse me, Hinduism states this, that Jesus is a wise man, he could be a prophet, and he could be one of many gods. They have 33 million gods. He's one of the 33. Buddhism states this, Jesus is not God, he's simply a man, an enlightened man. The Baha'i faith, which is a combination of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, states this, Jesus is a manifestation of God or just simply a prophet. You see, my friends, what makes Christianity so great? Even though Christianity has contributed to the arts and the literature and the music of our society, it still has its enemies. And the reason it has its enemies, not because of the works, it's because of the message of Jesus that creates the enemies. Jesus is the most loved and hated person in all of history. Jesus is the most hated person, but yet he is the most loved person in all of history. Jesus. I want you to think about this man as I get ready to close today. I want you to think about Jesus. You see, oftentimes we go to church and we hear nice stories. We hear flowery sermons. But this morning, in this sermon series, since last Sunday, I've just been iterating the importance of Jesus in our church services and Jesus in our life and Jesus on our job and Jesus in our personal life. I want to make Jesus famous and I want to be a billboard for Jesus. It's an honor to introduce to you a man that needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem by the way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church, and his daddy is the author of the book that's been the bestseller of all times. He holds a record this morning for having the world's greatest fish fry. He fed over 5,000 hungry souls with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. They tell me he can walk on water and turn water into wine with no special effects or camera tricks. He has the headshot on every church throughout the world. His emblem has been raised high to the heavens. A cross, a crucifixion. It's almost as if it's in a, an execution chair. A means of punishment has been lifted up in buildings throughout the world. Even before the king of comedy, he was held as the king of all kings. He was held as the ruler of the universe. The prophets called him Alpha and Omega, which means he is the beginning and he is also the end. They called him the bright and morning star. Someone in scripture called him the rose of Sharon. Somebody else called him the prince of peace. I'm telling you today, 
He has been held as the greatest man who's ever lived. And yet this man has never had one servant, but they called him master. He had no degree, and yet they called him teacher. He's had no medicine, and they called him the healer. He's, he had no army, but yet no captain has brought so many rebels to their knees as he has. He has never won a military victory, but yet he has conquered the world. He has committed no crime, yet they crucified him. They buried him in a borrowed tomb, and yet he lives today. Somebody needs to put your hand together as I introduce to you the greatest man who's ever lived, and his name is Jesus the Christ. Jesus, the greatest man who's ever lived. He deserves all my praise. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. All of it belongs to him. Can I have somebody just stand to your feet and make a little movement this morning and honor this man called Jesus the Christ? Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. You may be seated just for a moment. Have five minutes left. I want to say this. What's so great about it? Last week it was his character that was great. This week it was his claims. It was his message. It's what Jesus said about himself that makes it so great. It's what separates us from every other religion around the world. What separates us is what makes us great. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It's his message. I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. Do you know why Jesus said, I am the bread of life? He claimed to be the very thing that was necessary to maintain life. I am the bread of life. Jesus said in John 8, 12, that I am the light of of the world. And why is he the light of the world? Because he claimed to be the light to allow people to see their way through life. That's why he's the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Why is he the resurrection? Because he claimed to be the very source of life, even when it's gone. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, Jesus claimed to be the very way to live. Jesus said in John 8, 58, that I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Jesus said, I am not merely just a man, I am God. John 10, in verse number 30, Jesus said, before the Father, he said, I am the Father, are one. I'm telling you today, my friends, even Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4, he said, if someone comes to you and preaches another Jesus who I've not preached to you, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up. You're going to be careful. Be careful that you don't hear a 
of another Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus said, don't think that I have come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. Come to bring what? A sword. Verse 35, he says, for I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against his... Jesus is not saying, listen, Jesus is saying my message is going to divide people right in their own home. Wives against husbands and husbands against wives because the message of Jesus divides them. Right in the middle of your household, your kids, the message of Jesus divides people. In closing, my friends, what makes Jesus so great? It's his message. It's what he declared to the world. That's what makes him great. It's not his works. They're great. There's a lot of works that you see in the world of Christianity. But it's his message that's caused the world, caused the Christianity to be great. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Did you enjoy the word today? Hallelujah.